We were in a team meeting and I was referencing that, hey, just so you guys are aware, they're going to release the SEC schedule tonight. These guys wanted to put out our 2023 schedule to remind everybody who we were playing this year. Yeah, that's right, Coach. You know, just let's focus on this year, right? A lot of expectations surrounding the Texas Longhorn program. So let's focus on 23, not 24, not in the future, not in the SEC transition, all the other things that everyone seems to be talking about right now as it relates to the Texas Longhorns. Welcome to Always College Football. Today is July 5th. It is officially our one-year anniversary on the dot, I might add. We released one year ago today, and we're back for year number two. All of us here at Always College Football cannot tell you how much we appreciate the support that you've given us over the last 365 days. Mark Kubiak, Jack Foster, Jake Garcia, all the people that have helped make Always College Football a destination for you and a destination for us. We've never done this before, so us hanging out together every day for about an hour talking college football is all new, but man, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for y'all. We continue to please ask for you guys to leave a review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, if you're on Spotify, leave a rating, leave a review. It'd be really helpful for us. We're continuing to try to grow. Our numbers are growing up like crazy, but we need your help. And we so appreciate all the things that y'all have done in order to help push us over the edge with that over the last 12 months. We also encourage you, if you're on ESPN's YouTube channel, hit that thumbs up, man. That'd be great for us. Also, you can like, you can rate, you can subscribe, you can do all those things there on ESPN's College Football YouTube Page. So we appreciate all the support, but let's get to today's show. Steve Sarkeesian joins the show. He joined us last year on our inaugural show. Why would he not come back for year number two? We also are going to talk about the expectations for the 2023 Longhorns. Clearly, the roster is loaded. Things are looking good. But how do you manage the expectations? And how do you continue to improve as they go into year number three? Plus, it's a good schedule. You got Alabama week two. We'll ask Coach Sarkeesian about that as well. We'll dive into the mailbag and a couple of news and notes that we want to get to as well. Is the transfer portal window going to shrink? And will San Diego State be playing in the Pac-12 in the near future? We answer all those questions on a Wednesday edition of Always College Football. But to kick things off, let's get to Coach Steve Sarkeesian of the Texas Longhorns. So we fast forward a year and the inaugural guest on Always College Football returns. He's Coach Steve Sarkeesian of the Texas Longhorns. Coach, what's going on, my friend? Life is good, man. Summer, summertime in Austin is always a good time, so we're, we're doing good over here. Nice and cool, I would imagine. Uh, I believe it's 109 uh, index right now in the great state, which I'm very proud to be from, but uh, summertime is a little tougher. But hey, you guys will be tougher for it, will they not? Yeah, I mean, it's always challenging, especially inside of DKR, man. It, the, the heat index kind of goes up uh, exponentially in there, but that's why we do a lot of our work in the morning. Um, but I, there are, you know, about twice a week, we have to get them outside in the afternoon just to, you have to get acclimated. Um, yeah. and it's not something you can just do in training camp. You have to do it kind of progressively throughout summer to get ready for the season. You know, we, uh, first games, two thirty kick against rice on September 2nd. So we, we gotta be ready for it. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. Two thirty kicks. I, I like them. It's a great window to watch football, but, uh, it'll be tough on the players, but I know they'll be ready for it. That's for sure. I imagine rice will be too coming up from Houston. I know they're no stranger to the hot weather, but it is what it is. Hey, uh, it's at least, at least it's in your home field, which by the way, coach, I, I've been to DKR a million times it, to me. I, I sensed last year, maybe it started with week two against Bama. I sensed a different energy. I know the end zone is now totally finished and, and all the bells and whistles have made that place a state-of-the-art facility. 
but you'd been around Texas some as well. Did you notice a significant difference in your game day atmosphere in 2022 when compared to previous years? I really did. You know, I, I think it was helpful. Um, obviously, the south end zone and, and getting that and everybody getting kind of accustomed to that. But I think moving the students to um, to kind of that uh, northeast corner of the field, I think, yeah. has been helpful uh, rather than having them on kind of the, the southeast corner. I think they, they're they've been really impactful. I think their energy has been tremendous. You know, we try to do a lot of things for them. Pre-game, I try to go greet them before every game when I get into the stadium and make sure the energy's right. Uh, and then talking to it, and I, I definitely feel like two things: one, our players feed off of our crowd, and, I, and we try to let that be known. Um, but also, I think when you play a little bit better, people are a little bit more excited. You know, when we started to play a little better football, a little better brand of football, um, and I think I think the fans appreciated it. It was definitely evident uh, in, in watching you guys last year. There was so much progress made. And and look, I know last year there were ups and downs, but that's that's kind of part of it, I feel like. it. You've been around championship caliber teams. Uh, I feel like you almost have to have those growing pains where you're so close and then you know what you need to do in addition to to get over the hump in those close contests like the Oklahoma State game, some of the other games. If every game's like Oklahoma, then your team never learns how to just battle. So right. I, I know the close losses are always painful, but do you think your team will actually grow more from those experiences this year? I think so. You know, like I, I looked at, you know, two years ago, we couldn't find a way to win any of those games. And we yeah. were all our, all our losses the year before were tough, heartbreaking losses. Last year, um, definitely some some tough losses when you think about Oklahoma State or the Texas, Texas Tech, Tech like yeah. games. Games really, we really felt like walking out of there, we just gave one away. But I also looked to last year, I looked to, you know, going into Kansas State and winning that game in a tight ball game in the fourth quarter. I looked to the Baylor game at the end of the year when we were behind in the fourth quarter um, and then and then kind of take over that game and, and go win it in the fourth quarter. So I see the progress. Uh, obviously, we're not a finished product yet, um, but I definitely see the progress. And, and I'm kind of proud of the mental makeup of our guys because they showed a lot of resolve throughout the season. And, and yeah. to me, that all came to fruition in that Baylor game in the end, because, you know, in our minds, we were playing to get into the Big 12 championship game. You know, we didn't know what was going to happen the next day. We had to win that game to give ourselves a chance and to go into a game down in the fourth quarter. Um, and then to come back and find a way to win it, that, that, that was really encouraging for me. It did seem like there was some overcorrections because the year before, starting fast, not being able to finish. Last year, there were some starts and not being able to finish, but it felt like that got addressed. It really did. I'm not blowing smoke. I really believed like that had something. Last year, there were multiple examples in which you played much better in the third and fourth quarter than maybe in the first and second. So uh, it felt like that was a huge emphasis going into last year, and it paid dividends. What, what would you say has been the emphasis for this year's team throughout the offseason? Well, I, I do. I appreciate you saying that because in, in coaching, that adage, right, you get what you emphasize. And right. if you emphasize something and you're really thoughtful with your approach to it and the players understand the why it's of importance, generally you get you get the result that, that you're looking for. Um, I think inevitably for us, you know, I think a couple of things. Offensively, we've got to be a more balanced attack than we were mm -hmm. a year ago. Um, you know, we were a, a very good running football team. Clearly, when you have a, you know, a B. John Robinson and a Roshan Johnson, um, we had a lot of youth on the offensive line. And, and quite frankly, we had youth at the quarterback position. And I didn't love the depth at wide receiver. So we did a lot to try to address, you know, the, kind of the the depth chart that way. And then you have to put in the time. You know, our offense is better when we can run the ball 
We can throw the RPOs the way that we do. We can play action pass and take those shots and connect on those things down the field and then try to create space for our players uh, on that side of the ball. And I think that, that, you know, we felt really good about that coming out of spring. We, we continue to work on it here this summer um, because if, for us to be the team that we want to be late in the season, we're going to need that balanced attack, and we're going to need to make sure that that we're uh, dangerous through the passing game. Uh, defensively, you know, we just keep harping on. We want to be able to play tighter coverage um, so that we can not just affect the quarterback, but now you know create more sacks and create more negative plays. Um, you know, I think we were one of the the country's leaders last year in pressures on the quarterback. If not, we might have we might have led the country, but our sack numbers weren't where they needed to be. So yeah. hopefully, with tighter coverage, um, we we can we can get the quarterback on the ground a little bit more, maybe create some more turnovers uh, and create more short fields. Yeah, well, I want to get to the defense in a moment because like, I know so much of the conversation has been about the offense, so why not start there? Uh, you had a quarterback competition that we're all looking forward to following in, into the summer and and hoping that, you know, that would be some drama for us in the media to follow along with, with what we've seen from those guys. And I came out of spring not only impressed with how Quinn has grown, the maturity that he's now approaching the game with, uh, but also what Malik did. And then obviously we'll see what Arch does down the road. A young player thrown into the fire is never easy, but I feel like your quarterback depth starting with Quinn is in a phenomenal spot compared to where it's been in recent years. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm really fired up about that room. Um, I, I think, you know, the collectively we are a very talented group, um, a group that works really hard and, and works really well together. You know, Greg, you've been in enough quarterback rooms. You know when that room's good. When guys are engaging with one another, having fun with one another, they've got good rapport. Uh, they're competing, but yet they're doing it in a way where they're they're trying to you know get better individually, um, but also supporting the other guy and knowing the things that he's working on. So we have that. Quinn has had a great kind of just off season, and in my opinion, it really started in December and in, in prepping for the bowl game. I thought he prepared really well. He played really well in the bowl game. We didn't play great around him. Um, and then that continued into winter conditioning and spring ball. And he's, he's been fantastic in the summer. He looks great. He's in the best shape of his life. Then there's Malik Murphy, a guy who just hasn't been able to stay healthy for us, but very talented, um, great leadership ability, has a unique arm talent to, to throw it all over the field. Um, and he's going into year two in the system. And then you put Arch in there who, you know, I, I felt like I needed to remind everybody like on our <laughs> spring game, the guy should have been at like the the senior like car wash, right? Raising money for prom or something. Like he was should still should have still been in high school uh, at that game. And so uh, it was invaluable experience for him to be with us um, and to kind of get a lot of that newness out. Um, hey, he's a normal guy with us, and he's a normal guy for himself and in and around the building. But for everybody else. When you carry the name, it comes with those expectations. So I think for him to try to realize how to balance those types of things, um, in the end, he's on the, he's on a great trajectory for us. He's going to be a really good player for the University of Texas, a great leader. Um, so I, I do. I, I really love where, where that room is at right now. Yeah, and I, I think we all knew that Quinn had the game. We all knew uh, that he had the physical abilities, but it did sense. And look, I didn't just tell with the way his feet were working and watching some spring. And granted, like we're talking about practice. So take my knowledge and what I'm seeing in a 40-play scrimmage with a grain of salt, but it just seemed like a different sense of urgency. I 
I don't know what reached him. Maybe if the struggles last year down the stretch maybe kind of made him realize, man, I got to be really professional about my approach. But he just seems different. And and I I don't know what you've preached to him, but it, it feels like whatever you've preached has certainly been taken on in stride. And, and he feels like a guy that's ready to break out. Well, I think I think two things. One, Quinn is really coachable and he's always been very coachable from the day he got here. And so that that's helpful when, when you don't get that resistance. Uh, I think two Quinn's ultra competitive, like every great quarterback and he wants to be the best player he can be sometimes early on, you know, in, in my mind, he was a freshman last year, basically yeah. he, like I graduated high school early, uh, but did it too late and kind of it was an awkward situation at Ohio state. Inevitably there was a big learning curve for him. Um, you know, just about the game, the speed of the game, the nuances of our offense. And sometimes when you don't know all the nuances and you don't have all the answers that can make you feel a little less urgent because your brain is trying to work. And so your body's trying to slow down to keep up with the brain. I think that his, his understanding of what we're trying to do and why we're doing what we're doing has allowed him to play more urgent. And I, and I do agree with you. I do think that the details, right. And the minutiae of the position is something that he sees value in now. And he's really putting in the time to, uh, to, to make it all come together. No, you can't play quarterback by yourself and, and whoever's under center for you throughout the, the course of the fall, obviously Quinn being the guy that will get the first crack at it. They're going to be surrounded by great weapons. You talked about your receiver depth and I, I, w- I was about to push back there and then I re- for, kind of forgotten that Nair had gotten hurt in the preseason. Whittington had a great year for you. Worthy, of course, has been excellent for a really long time. But now I look at where it's at today with the addition of A.D. Mitchell, with the addition of the trio of freshmen. I mean, now JT is going to have, I think, a big year. I mean, you look at your pass catchers, Coach, and outside of the Ohio States of the world, I mean, as far as personnel and depth – and answers, it's hard to put a lot of teams up against what you guys have. So how do you feel about that position relative to where you felt last year? Well, I like it. Um, like I said, you know, when, when we looked at where we were at at the end of last season, I wanted to look at our passing game from kind of a 360-degree view, right, of whether it was schematics, whether it was the way we were teaching the passing game, um, what we were calling in game compared to what we were practicing, and then the personnel that was trying to operate those plays, and um, we felt like we needed to upgrade there. Um, and I credit our, our recruiting staff and our and our coaching staff for the job they did um, to again go recruit those three kids out of high school. I think are great young players. I think the addition of Ad Mitchell has been very helpful, but I also think there's a when you when you challenge competitors, they rise to the occasion. And what I've seen out of Xavier Worthy has been phenomenal this offseason. He's the most engaged I've seen him seen him be since he's been here, and he's been really good for the first two years. Jordan Whittington's leadership, he's kind of assumed almost that Roshan Johnson role yeah. on our team, which, which has been great. And getting Isaiah Nair back, this guy was a projected starter for us a year ago coming from Wyoming gets injured, misses the year, and it's kind of been forgotten. Um, so that that room is really solid. And then I think JT Sanders is just a budding star. You know, he, yeah. he really was a fantastic player for us a year ago. Uh, and I think we're only going to see more from him uh, in that in that type of play, uh, which for a quarterback, that puts you at ease too, right? <laughs> that you're, you know, who's where, what. He knows he's got capable people to uh, to catch the ball and go make plays for him. It's nice to have a uh, tight end that can stretch the field. Not everybody has one coach. So uh, knowing the way you utilized weapons and feature players, 
Someone tells me if you believe in JT's upside this year, someone tells me his upside is going to be pretty good. <laughs> so <laughs> let's get to the defensive side of the football. Uh, you referenced the way you guys could attack last year. There, there was a lot of great opportunities that were left on the field, just not being able to finish plays, what have you. But you bring back a bunch of guys. Uh, Jalen's back. Uh, you know, obviously Byron Murphy's back. A bunch of guys um, that are really, really solid that have played a lot of football in the front seven. You add a Catalan in the back end from Arkansas. really like his potential when he's healthy. So all three levels of the defense feel like they're really in place based on where they were in previous years. So the depth at all three levels feels like it's improved. How do you feel about their grasp of the system? Yeah, I think, I think a couple things. One, you know, one thing that's been helpful for us on the defensive side of the ball is staff continuity. Yeah. You know, having having our entire defensive staff back now together for a third consecutive year, I think their rapport uh, is is critical. You know, those guys all came here. I hired them all almost like hire guns from different spots. <laughs> they never really worked together, you know, and then we had to make it. OK, how do we get everybody on the same page? So I think that part's been helpful. Um, and then the 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 veteran players you know obviously Jalen Ford is a great player at linebacker yeah uh, I love you know the fact that we have Byron Murphy we have Trevondre Sweat we have Alfred Collins um, we have some you know we have the kind of the, that nucleus of guys back uh, we have Baron Sorrell back who had a really good sophomore season for us and they get five and a half sacks as a sophomore and then the addition of Trill Carter kind of a veteran presence from right. from Minnesota and the emergence of some young players you know whether it's a an Anthony Hill uh, a, a guy like that who that we think can come in and, and have an impact and then in the secondary you know Jada and Baron was kind of an unsung hero for us last year at, at the star position he made a ro- lot of impactful plays a really instinct instinctual player um, Ryan Watts a year ago was a transfer from Ohio State played all year for us at boundary corner was really good um, you know Jalen Catalan coming in um, like you said when he's healthy he's a you know he was an all SEC player and he's in he's in great shape we're, we're fired up to have him the addition of Gavin Holmes from Wake Forest who was a two-year starter there so you know we don't live in the portal uh, but the guys that we have gone to get, I think, are going to be impactful players to go along with a lot of a lot of young players that we have high hopes for. Derek Williams, uh, Malik Muhammad. There's some pretty good young players that I think are, are going to help us this fall. It certainly seems that way. And I, like you said, I feel like all the portal additions, it's not like this is a full sale makeover. This is like, hey, you know, you can help us. Come on in. It, it makes sense the way you've approached it so far and balancing it with the recruiting. Look, uh, one part of this season the, the swan song in the Big 12, everyone's going to, oh, we got to get Texas and Oklahoma. We got to punch them hard before they head to the SEC. It, it feels like there's been so much talk already with the schedule release and what's coming in 24. How, how do you keep the guys focused on the task at hand as opposed to thinking about you know the future home and home matchups that they're going to have down the road in the year that's long away from here? You know, I really feel like our team's on a mission. Like we, we've 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 been building for this um, to 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 win a Big Twelve championship. I felt like you know that they will all tell you that that we missed an opportunity a year ago to not play for the Big Twelve championship game because of our own undoing. You know, we made yeah. we made some mistakes in a couple of games that cost us an opportunity to be in that game. Uh, and these guys have been on a mission all fall or all winter, all spring. Uh, and what was interesting, we were in a team meeting and I was referencing that, hey, just so you guys are aware, they're going to release the SEC schedule tonight. 
these guys wanted to put out our 2023 schedule to remind everybody who we were playing <laughs> this year. Uh, and so it, it didn't take much. I mean, we've got great leadership on this team. We've got guys that, you know, really the full allotment of our team now are players that I inherited that have now been with us for three years and have completely bought into who we are and what we're doing or their kids that we recruited that believed in what we were doing. And that's why they came here. So we, we really have a locker room full of guys that are believing in, 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 in what we believe uh, and have really good leadership and are putting forth uh, the necessary effort and means to, 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 to try to be a champion. And that's, that's why they came here. And, and hopefully we're giving them the platform and the tools to go do that. Finally, coach, we'll get you out of here with this. I, I, I think expectations can be extremely beneficial. And I also think they can be used against you and you have to wear the target, but you're at Texas. Like, I mean, you have the target naturally. I don't care what anybody says. Texas always, regardless of what they did the year before, is going to enter into the season as a game that's circled on the opponent's schedule. It's just the way it is, which I know you embrace as, as a Longhorn. But I also think this year, the expectations are very real. I mean, some publications have you as high as five. Some publications have you in the 10, you know, whatever it is. Do you embrace those? Do you shy away from those? How do you make sure that the guys are aware while also understanding that those things mean nothing in the grand scheme of things? Because preseason prognostications are, for lack of a better word, a joke in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know what I try to do is I try to show them both ends of the spectrum. You know, yeah. I can, I can show somebody who says, you know, we're a potential playoff team and I can show a national reporter who say we have no chance at winning the big 12 championship. So when I can put both of them on the table and put them both on the overhead side by side, it's really not what anybody else thinks. It's about what we do and what yeah. we believe in this room. And so it's pretty simple. I don't spend a bunch of time on it, but I, I do realize that these kids do see and they do read and they are on their phones. And so I try not to not to acknowledge what's out there. Um, but but that, it's a really easy one because, like I said, you know, I you can pull one thing up and it says we're supposed to be one thing. Pull another thing up and it says totally opposite. All right, so. We're going to define who we're going to be by the way we play. Seems reasonable enough to me. I mean, I, I feel like there's enough preseason, uh, you know, projections out there. You can find someone that say you go 12 and 0, 0 and 12, all good. We'll fill it right down the middle. Coach, can't tell you how much we appreciate it, man. We're so excited to see you this fall and, and look forward to, to watching and keeping up with your team throughout summer and fall camp. Thanks, Greg. Love the, love the helmet behind you, man. Appreciate you having that on there. For <laughs> well, we, I'd have to remind everybody that, uh, unfortunately, that helmet came with the note inside of it, which might still be in there, by the way. It says, if Colt doesn't get hurt, we win. Hook him. So <laughs> it came with, a, with just a little veiled shot across the bow, but it's all good, man. It's proudly presented in the den. So we appreciate you, man. I love it, man. Be great. See you, brother. See you. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. 
Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, some news and notes going on in college football. All right, the Mountain West, San Diego State, and the Pac-12 Love Triangle continues. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what's gone on in this story, it hasn't really been that difficult to follow. It's realignment talk, basically, right? You're looking at a team in San Diego State. You're looking at a conference in the Pac-12 that just lost both schools in the Southern California part of the region, which, of course, is densely populated area, very important area. Plus, San Diego State's been great in football, great in basketball. They'd be a logical expansion possibility. Now, there was a moment here where we thought this was imminent. It was done. Because when you hear that San Diego State's telling the Mountain West that they are intending to leave the conference, this was about a month ago. This is June 13th. They said, hey, we're out. They said, we need about a month to kind of get our ducks in a row, and then we're off and we're going to the Pac-12. But sounds like right now, on July 1st, just a couple days ago, that the Mountain West considers the Aztecs a part of the league as of right now. Now, they gave notification that they were leaving the league in 24, but they're going to withhold some annual revenues and some other aspects of it. So as of right now, San Diego State stay in put. Now, what does this mean? It means really nothing. It just means that nothing's happening right now. Now, is San Diego State, if given the opportunity to go to the Pac-12, are they going to go? Yes, immediately. Are they going to figure out the buyout numbers with the Mountain West? Of course feels like this is merely lawyer speak for when this is ultimately going to go down. Now, I'm excited about the possibility. Let's just talk quickly about San Diego State in the Pac-12. I'm not getting the cart in front of the horse, okay? I understand that there are still I's that need to be dotted and T's that need to be crossed. Let's just think about how competitive they might be able to be. Now, San Diego State's a team that has won double-digit games in recent years, has played against top competition in recent years, has just built a brand new state-of-the-art facility in their new stadium, Snapdragon Stadium, that is beautiful. And they, like I said already, they occupy a part of California that has now been lost for the Pac-12. So I think San Diego State makes all the sense in the world, especially knowing, too, just how good they are in basketball. And we know these realignment decisions are not made because of basketball. Let's be real. They're just not. But it would be nice to know that in adding a legitimate football program, you also have the possibility of adding a team that has been to the Final Four in College Hoop. So a lot to be taken into account with this. I think ultimately, I think San Diego State will be playing Pac-12 football within the next couple of years. I I don't know the exact date. I don't know exactly when that day is going to go down. All I know is I hear reports, you read reports, you check Twitter, you do this, you do that. Just tell me when you're leaving. 
I don't know about you guys. I have a hard time with the, well, we think we're going to leave and we're considering the possibility of leaving. Fine. Don't, don't tell me about, you know, the behind the scenes gobbledygook. I just want to know when you're going. And when you go, let me know so we can evaluate your situation at the time. Because there was always speculation about UCF and Cincinnati and Houston and BYU entering into a league and then talked about it forever. And then, hey, guess what? We're actually going to do it now. Perfect. Let's address it then. So let me know, Mountain West. Let me know, San Diego State. Let me know, Pac-12, when this day is going to come because I'm excited about that possibility. But why are we wasting our time right now? In other news, there was a report circulating last week that the NCAA transfer portal window might be condensed. My question, what is taking so long? Get it done. Because as of right now, the portal window is 60 days in college football. 60 days. Nearly one-sixth of the calendar, the portal window's open. Now, some people align with the idea that, hey, we can just go whenever you want. If, you, if you're not happy in week six, you can ask to be released in the NFL. Why can't you in college football? I understand that people want to draw comparisons to the NFL, but it's not the same. It's just not. Uh, it's performance-based. In college football, there are some requirements that you have as a program in protecting the players. The NFL has none. You can be cut, released, traded, what have you, whenever they want. So college football is not quite that way. Either way, it's going to be really interesting, I think, to see where they ultimately land. Because if they cut it down from 60 to 30, first of all, I still think that's too much time. Guys change their mind between lunch and dinner, let alone between two months of the actual calendar. Now, you can enter into the portal a little bit earlier. Uh, right now, there's a 45-day window in the beginning, and then there's a 15-day window after the spring. Now, what's the point of the days back in December and January? What's the point of that being 45? Can we not limit it to 15? Are you going to have fewer guys enter the portal in a 45-day window that, or in a 15-day window in the 45-day window? No, it's just going to accelerate their decision-making process, and it's going to give clarity, I think, to the coaches, both incoming, outgoing, whatever the circumstances are with your coaching situation. It's going to give clarity with the roster. Hey, this guy's with us. This guy's not. This guy's going to be sticking around. This guy's off to greener pastures. Whatever the circumstances are. There's absolutely no reason you're going to overthink it and probably overreact. But remember, this is just the time to enter the portal. It's not the time to make your decision. You can enter the portal and make your decision six months later if you want. That's perfectly okay. But I do think being a little bit more condensed will allow for a cleaner process and for allow guys to kind of, hey, this is what I'm doing, and they can stick to their guns. So I think it's the right move. I think it's long overdue, and I do think it will benefit – a lot, both the players and the coaches, as far as clarity, transparency, and not allowing, you know, the third parties to get involved in the process. Because I think the longer the portal stays open, the more people can influence and maybe not always positively influence guys' decision making. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. As always, we so appreciate your contributions to the mailbag. We look forward to continuing to interact with y'all. And please continue to send in these messages, man. These have been great. Great questions, great ideas, good thoughts. And we appreciate all of you that have submitted already. And we promise if we haven't gotten your question yet, we will at some point here in the very near future. Always college football at gmail.com. You can also submit questions via our social media. That's always CFB on both Instagram and on Twitter. Coops is not reading today. So we have Jack Foster, our very own prized University of Tennessee graduate. Have you even graduated yet? Not yet. One more semester. One more semester, so he's close. But a, a proud Tennessee volunteer. He's going to read the questions today. I think he's going to do a great job reading, too. Much better than Kubiak, who went to St. Bonaventure. So very happy about this. What do we got? Thanks for that, Greg. But today's question comes from Bruce in Oklahoma. It seems Oklahoma is being counted out more than Texas as far as being competitive in the SEC. I know year one with Venables didn't go well, but we took Florida State to the wire in the bowl game and had a top five recruiting class in 2023. Do you share the same sentiment that Oklahoma is clearly behind Texas? If so, what has Texas done to deserve the hype? Well, here's the thing. Texas is in year three of the rebuilding process. Oklahoma's in year two. And remember, Oklahoma's rebuilding process was a unique one because they were not in need of a rebuild until Lincoln Riley left. And then basically they lost some of their best prospects. And to be honest with you, the way Venables did things with the defense and kind of adjusting the structure, and and it wasn't necessarily a great personnel match to what Venables wants to be. They were mostly 4-2-5. Venables has done a mix of that in the past, but they've kind of adjusted the structure. So it it was going to be a pretty significant season for Venables. For him to do really well, it was going to be a big challenge. So all that being said, I I don't think anyone's necessarily saying that Texas is going to walk right into the SEC and roll. Texas has a lot of pieces back on this year's team. Texas has arguably the best roster in the Big 12 this year, it's not to say anything about what might be in the future. I think Venables has a great understanding of how to recruit at a high level. I think Venables has tremendous energy. I think Venables has a terrific offensive coordinator because we know he can handle the defense, and we know he's going to do a great job on that side of the ball. But I love what they've done offensively with Jeff Levy. And you got to think that whether it's Dylan Gabriel this year, Jackson Arnold down the road, they're going to be in great hands at quarterback as they transition to the SEC as well. So I, I don't think anyone's necessarily saying, well, Texas is ready to step right into compete. No, we've just seen Texas play against Alabama last year, which was the class or has been the class of the SEC for 15 years or so. Granted, Georgia in recent years has maybe taken that throne. But either way, we saw Texas go toe to toe and we haven't seen Oklahoma just yet. Plus, they're coming up their worst season in 25 years. So I I love Oklahoma's future. I really do. I think they're in great position to be successful. And then when you think about the other sports outside of football, man, they are going to dominate. 
softball, gymnastics, uh, all these other sports that they've been super successful at as well. So I think Oklahoma is in a great spot to transition. But as of right now, Sark's in year three, Venables in year two. Let's see what progress is made in year number two under Brent Venables. Thanks so much for being with us today. It's been such a treat to be able to talk college ball with you guys for the last 12 months. We cannot tell you how much we appreciate the support and the viewership and the growth that we've experienced over the last calendar year. We hope to double, triple, continue that growth that we experienced because of your support. We ask you to continue to go like, rate, subscribe, whatever you need to do. If you're on the podcast, hit us up with the review, hit us up with the rating, make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well. It means a lot to us. We look forward to continuing to provide next level analysis for the college football season. We're going to be talking every league, every player, every storyline. That's what we do. And we plan on doing it for another 12 months. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Jake, Mark, Jack, I'm Greg. We hope you have a terrific day. And remember, it's always college football.